Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Good morning, welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Monday the 16th of October, I'm Tim Spears and on today's show... Another twist in the Manchester United takeover saga. His bid was almost double United's 3.2 billion market value and they informed them that they're withdrawing from the process. Scotland qualify for the Euros. I think they'll be much stronger and they'll be much more united and, and we'll understand tournament football. And late drama in the WSL. McCabe is running on tonight. What a strike! Gabe McCabe from the tightest of angles with a rocket out of a shot. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Tim Spears. We may be in an international break, but there's only one place to start this morning, and that's at Old Trafford, where a two-horse takeover race appears to be down to one. On Saturday night, Sheikh Jassim's Qatari group claimed to have withdrawn from the race to buy 100% of Manchester United from the Glazers. So instead, Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos could this week take just 25% of the club for an estimated £1.3 billion. That's $1.6 billion. But crucially, Ratcliffe would have sporting control. Manchester United's board are due to vote on the proposed deal in the coming days. Here to explain all is our Manchester football correspondent, Mark Critchley. We'll start with Sheikh Jassim, Mark. Why is he pulled out and is there a chance he still goes back in? Sheikh Jassim, uh, people from Sheikh Jassim's team said that they'd held final talks with the Glazers for their 100% full sale of the club offer uh, in the past week. His bid, they said, was almost double United's 3.2 billion market value. Plus there was another 1.7 billion to invest into the club after that. But even despite all that, they'd still failed to meet what uh, sources close to Sheikh Jassim had called the Glazers' fanciful and outlandish valuation of the club. Uh, and they informed them that they're, they're withdrawing from the process um, after months of stalemate, after months of delay, deadlines, finally come to the point where their patience had worn thin and, and yeah, they'd withdrawn. Is this the end of Qatar? I would never say never in this process just because of how long and how lengthy and how many twists and turns there have been in it. Uh, it's, we've been careful to point out all the way through that they're claiming they've withdrawn. Yeah, I think, look, nobody is in doubt as to the direction of travel now and uh, that's not towards Qatar, it's towards Ineos and Sir Jim Ratcliffe. If this does go through this week with this 25% stake, what will Ratcliffe's influence be on the club? I guess that that's the key question here that fans are really keen to know, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, because 25% is obviously, it's obviously not a majority. Uh, it keeps the Glazers in place. So there's a temptation, I think, for especially on the, on the outside looking in to think what's all the fuss about. But um, I think the key part of this offer that's suddenly taken the Glazers' favour is that our sources have said to us that this deal is premised on Ineos and Ratcliffe having influence over sporting decisions. Now, that's really important to the Ineos bid. We've already seen Ratcliffe's built a football, mini kind of football empire at Nice uh, in France and at Lausanne in Switzerland. There's the whole sport division within Ineos itself that's got his fingers fingertips in cycling, sailing and running. And that in itself, them having 
influence over the sport inside of the club. We'll obviously have, you expect huge ramifications for those who are already in employment at the very top of the club. So they want to come in and, and do their own thing and possibly use their own people and that will throw uncertainty. But they're quite happy to do that. They want to build Manchester United as a football club and bring it back to success. Whereas, And they're quite happy to leave the Glazers to the more commercial side of things and I think that's the offer. So if they're happy to leave the commercial side to the Glazers, does that not suggest that Ratcliffe ultimately wants to have control of the whole club here in, in terms of a stake? What our understanding over the weekend has been that the plan is to, to, to grow this shareholding over time into an overall majority and that talks have already been held over how exactly that will happen. For everything that I've just said there about how keen Ineos are on the sporting element of this project, what they feel they can do and their ambitions on that side of things, Ratcliffe's a guy who's going to want to be in full control. You know, We're talking about the richest man in Britain, a hugely successful petrochemicals entrepreneur. If he's into something, he's into it probably the full way and, and I, I would expect that they will look to develop this over time but for the moment it's a 25% a foot in the door and a, a way to perhaps build that influence over time yeah the debts that have been racked up under the under the glazers you know for a prolonged period of time now almost up to a billion or a key part of all of this what what happens to those debts going forward you know if, if Ratcliffe does come on board this week and, and and in the future that's always been the biggest bugbear hasn't it of the supporters the Glazers borrowed like 580 million just to just to finance their own takeover just so that United fans could have the benefit of being owned by the Glazers in the first place uh, and that debt the gross debt currently stands at 725 million so it's it's never been chipped away it's only grown over time um, there's not just that there's interest payments on top there's the dividends that they've been paying out there's money being pumped out of the club again just for the benefit of being owned by the Glazers now Sheikh Jassin's bid promised to wipe the club of debt. Um, it was also a cash offer, so there was no uh, new debt being laid onto the club. The Ratcliffe bid, the Ineos bid, never made the same guarantees. The only real assurance that we got from that side was that there would be no fresh debt onto the club's books and that any debt that was used as part of their own takeover or this, this buying of a minority state would be borne by Ineos themselves. So I think for the time being, it's really no change there. The Glazers are still in place and that debt mountain that has been piled up over the years will, will probably remain unaffected for now. You mentioned the fans there, Mark. I mean, they're living and breathing this soap opera every day, as I know you are as well. What's what's their reaction been to this uh, these latest developments this weekend? I think when this process was announced so, so long ago now, last November, a lot of fans would have seen it as an avenue to get rid of the Glazers and that's all that they would have cared about. And for it to now be drawn to a conclusion and for them to still be in place will be a huge disappointment to some. Again, like I think that's why there was a lot of... There was, there was support for the Qatari bid. There was obviously concerns about human rights. There was obviously concerns about sports washing as well. There was, there was splits within the fan base over that sort of thing. But that was the only offer on the table that was 100% to, to get rid of the Glazers. So it, it gained a lot of support. The Ratcliffe one has never been about that. But then again, at the same time, I think there's a lot of fans who will take a step back and recognise that if this offer had been on the table 18 months ago before there was any prospect of the Glazers being fully ownership coming to an end, then they would have taken it, absolutely. And you can go in-depth on the United Takeover in today's Athletic Football Podcast. A number of countries qualified for next summer's European Championship in Germany over the weekend. They included familiar tournament names such as France, Belgium, Portugal, Spain and Scotland. Yes, Steve Clark's team reached the Euros on Sunday night thanks to Norway's defeat to Spain. Ferran Torres to strike it, hits his own man, Gavi finds the corner... 
This time Spain celebrate with conviction. Spain's 1-0 win in Oslo meant Norway could no longer catch the Scots in Group A. Erling Haaland and co will now try and make it via the Nations League instead. Here to sum up Scotland's achievement of reaching their second consecutive Euros, having not qualified for the previous 24 years, is Jordan Campbell. It's a massive night for Scotland. Back-to-back European Championship qualifications isn't something that the country's been used to for, for over two decades. Um, you know, in 1998 World Cup was the last time they were at a major tournament for, for such a long time before Steve Clark came in. So, you know, in no way is, is, is qualifying for these tournaments, you know, the norm for Scotland fans. So um, the fact that it's becoming, um, you know, an accepted thing that this should be what we're aiming for every 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 qualifying campaign is is something to be celebrated. But I think they'll be going to the Euros next summer now with a lot of, a lot of excitement and they'll have, be a much stronger team um, for the experience they had you know, against Croatia, Czech Republic, England um, in that tournament because back then the the squad was a, a very young and, and experienced squad and now there's a group of players now who have grown together. They know each other. There's a real camaraderie in the squad now. So uh, I think they'll be much stronger and they'll be much more united and, and will understand tournament football. So, yeah, I think uh, I think they'll be, they'll be trying to, to get out of the group now in Germany and they might see that as a, as a realistic aim. Cheers, Jordan. There was also good news for Wales, who kept alive their qualification hopes with a shock 2-1 win over World Cup semi-finalist Croatia in Cardiff. Fulham's Harry Wilson scored both goals, and Wales can now reach the Euros next month if they can beat both Armenia and Turkey, the two nations they lost to earlier in the campaign. There are more qualifiers tonight, and the biggest game is in Group B, where Greece are in second place, the Netherlands are in third, and there are three points between them. They face off in Athens, and Ronald Koeman's Dutch team desperately need a result. You can catch that on Viaplay Sports at 7.45pm in the UK or Fox Sports 2 in the States at 2.45pm Eastern Time. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. Arsenal won their first game of the WSL season on Sunday and in some style. Mead shuffling through. What's up with a shot? That'll do! What a turnaround! Arsenal were 1-0 down to Aston Villa heading into stoppage time in front of 35,000 at the Emirates, then Katie McCabe equalised and then Alessia Russo, set up by Lionesses teammate Beth Mead, just on as a sub for a first appearance in 11 months, scored a dramatic winner. Jesse Parker-Humphreys was there for the bonkers ending. An incredible end to the match here at the Emirates. Arsenal coming back to beat Aston Villa 2-1. It really looked like Arsenal were going to be heading for taking just one point from their opening three matches. They were 1-0 down to Villa following a Maz Pacheco headed goal from a corner. But Jonas Eideval threw on his subs plenty of attacking talent on that pitch. Um, And Arsenal, in the space of about three minutes in injury time, were able to turn the game around. A fantastic finish from, from Katie McCabe that Daphne van Domselaar in the Villa goal could do nothing about. She probably could have done something a bit more about the winner, Alessia Russo getting the winner there with an assist from Beth Mead. One of the stories of the day, Beth Mead returning to the pitch, having come back from that ACL injury she suffered during the last season. There was definitely a sense that, you know, Mead's return really lifted the team. I think question still for a Ida Val and Arsenal, they looked flat for large portions of the game, but ultimately it's a massive win in front of another incredible crowd, more than 35,000 people here to witness that turnaround for Arsenal today. Manchester City are the early WSL leaders after they wallops Bristol City 5-0, Chelsea beat West Ham 2-0 on Saturday, and Everton beat Liverpool at Anfield for the second season in a row, with captain Megan Finnegan scoring the only goal of the game in the first half. 
For more on the women's game, tune into Full Time Europe with a new episode out tomorrow. They'll be asking how Jorge Vilda got the Morocco job so soon after Spain's World Cup scandal. Right, that's all for today. Thank you for listening. I've been Tim Spears. Your producer was Mike Zimmerman and executive producer was Ian McIntosh. If you're new to the show, we'd love you to subscribe and come back for more and feel free to leave us a review if you can. Michael Bailey will be with you tomorrow. Have a great day. The Athletic.